Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We podcast a Bible study each Sunday morning, posted at 9.30, which is the time that the Sunny Slope Church of Christ meets at the building for Sunday morning Bible class each Sunday morning. If you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Our Bible class begins at 9.30 on Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30, and then Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged to take on the rest of the week. We come together each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Now, you're welcome to any and all of these services, and we'd love to meet you and let you get to know us and us get to know you. Now, at the same time, we know that there are many people in the Omaha area who are not able to be with us at, that, at these particular times. Maybe some cases it might be physical problems or health problems that don't allow them to get out much. Uh, work schedules can also interfere. But also there are people who listen to our Bible classes, our, our podcasts all across the country and around the world, literally. And so we're thankful that people want to be in God's Word, and we're thankful that we can help people along this line to study God's Word and learn more about His will, which is communicated to us through His Word, by means of these podcasts that are broadcast through the medium of the Internet. We're thankful that you want to learn more, and we're thankful that we're here to be able to help you to do so as we teach God's Word. Now, we encourage you to go to our website at the same time. If you have not already done so, tell everybody else you can. And you can share these studies with everybody else through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, and you may help somebody turn their life around. But also tell them, and take advantage of this yourself if you have not yet done so, go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free always will be free. When you do that, you'll automatically receive to your smartphone or computer or whatever smart device you choose our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, but also a great deal more. You will receive all of our sermons and a radio program that we call Search the Scriptures. That's Monday through Friday, every day. And then you'll also receive a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 minutes each day, so we can almost always fit that into our busy schedule. We call that today's Bible class. So take advantage of that and tell everybody else you can to take advantage of it as well. Again, it's all free, always will be free. Now, if you're in the Omaha area and you can be with us, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street. We hope to get to meet you soon if you're in the area and you're able. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Joshua. And Joshua is the natural follow-up to studying the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We're already up to chapter four in Joshua. And remember that when Moses and God through Moses had led the Israelites up to the eastern bank of the Jordan River, which was the boundary line basically between the land of Canaan and God had had designated that as the land that he promised to the Israelites 
through their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And so this is what they've been working toward or moving toward, looking for. It was called the promised land. It would become the nation of Israel. Moses, God through Moses, had led the Israelites through the wilderness for a period of about 40 years, and now up to that borderline, the eastern bank of the Jordan River, across which would be the promised land. And again, they would then begin to dispossess the peoples who were there. Now, some people might say, well, why would God cause them or, or tell them Why would he guide them? Why would he lead them, instruct them to drive out the peoples of that land? It was their land, wasn't it? Well, remember, God is the creator. All land is God's land. But what's more important for us to understand is the people who inhabited that land at that time were not followers of God. They didn't believe in God necessarily. In many cases, they may not even have known about God. They worshiped idols. And the worship of idols brings with it all kinds of immorality and wickedness and so on. And so God tells the Israelites, I'm going to give you that land. Now, you're going to have to fight battles for that land because the peoples there are not going to just give it up. So you're going to have to fight battles And I want you to either destroy them or drive them out, but have nothing to do with them. Now, we could understand that as being something of a cleansing of the land. Remember, in Noah's day, God looked upon humanity in in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, and he saw that the thoughts and intents of the heart of all mankind— with the exception of Noah and his family, eight precious souls, the thoughts and intents of the, of, 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 of the hearts of mankind as a whole was only evil continually. Now, Noah and his family were the exceptions. Noah was found righteous in the eyes of God. It says he walked with God, perfect in his generations, Now think about that, eight souls only throughout all the world, the known world at that time, stood righteous before God. And so what did God do? He cleansed the world of the the wickedness of humanity, destroyed them all in the flood, and began over again with Noah and his family. You see, sin is not okay. And again, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, when God told Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit of that particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you do, if you do, you're going to die. In Genesis chapter 3, they disobeyed God, became sinners, and he expelled them from the Garden of Eden, wherein was also the tree of life, that as long as they ate the fruit thereof, they could have lived forever, even on this earth. But he drove them out of the garden. And physical death became a reality. They were going to die physically. Now, since sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59 and verse 2, 
they had already experienced a spiritual death because of their sin in disobeying God. So the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That same verse, Romans 6 and verse 23. So we need to understand sin is not okay. Disobedience to God is not something to be weaked at. The people of the land of Canaan had become wicked, immoral, ungodly, because they did not worship God. They did not follow him. They worshiped idols, and an idol is nothing. It's not deity. It's not God. It's inanimate matter in the form of carvings, rocks, manufactured images. Idols are not deity. They're not alive. They're not gods. They're simply objects. Now, that was how far away from God people had turned in that land. And God said, I'm going to give you this land. I promised you this land through your forefathers, going all the way back to Abraham. I kept renewing the promise through, the gener- through different generations. Now, here it is. It's yours. And basically, God was telling them, purify the land by driving those people out because they have corrupted the land. Well, Joshua takes the place of Moses because Moses died before he entered the promised land. And that was by God's design. And that was judgment from God upon Moses for Moses taking the glory at a particular point in the wilderness travels instead of giving the glory to God. When God produced water for the people miraculously. Moses took the credit as though he was producing it, Moses and his brother Aaron. And God pronounced judgment upon them at that time. Aaron had already died in the wilderness. After that, God used Moses to bring the people all the way to the border of the promised land. But then he took his life. He, let, he allowed him to look into the land. And then he took his life. And Moses prepared Joshua to take his place as the new leader of the Israelites. And so as they cross the Jordan, Joshua becomes the leader, and he also leads them in battle. In chapter 4, we pick up. It came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Now remember, when the Levites took the Ark of the Covenant and when they stepped into the waters of the Jordan River to lead the people across, God stopped the waters of the river. He stopped them from from flowing any farther until all the people crossed over. Reminiscent of what he did at the Red Sea when the Egyptian army was pursuing the Israelites after they had left Egypt. Well, so the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here 
one out of the midst of the Jordan from the place, I'm sorry, out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. What a magnificent memorial. What a magnificent identity of that memorial and meaning to it. We put up memorials all the time, don't we, to different accomplishments or points in history or leaders of our nation. And so do other countries around the world. But this was to be a memorial to God that on the day that the Levites led the Ark of the Covenant of God into the waters of the Jordan, God stopped those waters and he allowed the people to cross over. Amazing. Miraculous? Absolutely. And so this memorial... 12 stones. Now, we're not talking about little pebbles here. We're not talking about either a rock that you could hold in your hand. Notice again that Joshua told these 12 men to take up a stone on his shoulder. So it's going to be a pretty big, pretty big rock. And they're going to build these stones one on top of another as a memorial, a memorial to God, to the day that he led the people across into the promised land, stopped the waters of the Jordan River until the people crossed over. Now, again, what is a memorial for? It's to help us remember, and not just the present generation, but the generations to come. And and that's exactly what he tells what Joshua tells these men what this memorial would be for. This may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So in other words, this would be a monument, a memorial, that the children from every generation thereafter could look at, ask their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, through every generation, what are these stones for? And their parents their great-grandparents, their, their grandparents, because 
in every generation, their parents have told them what these stones mean, they could pass it on to their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, and so on. And so the history could stay alive. What God had done for the Israelites, for the people of Israel, could stay alive. And the people of every generation for hundreds and thousands of years to come could know that God gave them this land and thereby glorify God. That's what memorials are supposed to be for. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that in our culture, in our country right now, a whole lot of people are being taught disrespect for a lot of our memorials. Sad. Well, let's move on. Verse 8, And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, from the midst of that river where God stopped the waters, long enough to let the people cross. Now remember, that would have been a long time because there were probably about one to three million people with, among the Israelites at this time. So the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where, the, where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Now that's interesting. So first, they took Joshua, God through Joshua instructed that twelve stones be taken from the river, carried over the river into the land that would become the land of Israel, and a memorial built by those stones or with those stones would be placed there for the children of all the generations to follow, to ask their parents, their grandparents, and so on, what the meaning of that memorial is, that that monument, and they could tell them about God and how God gave them this land. But Joshua went even beyond that. He set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan River, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day, the text says. So the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Interesting. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. So they stood there, those priests who bore that ark, they stood there all the while the people were crossing. And when all the people had successfully crossed over the Jordan River, then those priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God, crossed over behind them. And the, men of Re- and the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh, crossed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. Now remember, those tribes had said, let us have our inheritance on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And Moses had said, that's not right. It's not righteous. You've come all this way with your, your brothers in the other 
10 tribes, and here you want to stay over here and let them go fight the battles themselves? But the men of those tribes said, no, 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 we will go across with them, and we will fight the battles with them. And when the land has been conquered, then we will come back over here to our inheritance. And Moses said, okay, as long as you do that. But if you don't stay faithful to that commitment, and this is one of the striking verses in all of Scripture, at least it should be to all of us, Moses said, be sure that your sins will find you out. So here they come. They're staying true to that commitment, to that vow. So when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people, the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Now, the idea of fearing there, I think, is hold him in awe and respect. Then then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Again, God stopped those waters. But as soon as the priests who bore the ark brought the ark across themselves and stepped foot on dry land, God released the waters to continue to flow through the river Jordan. Verse 20, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land, on the the river bed of the Jordan. But God led them across on dry land because he stopped the, the rivers from flowing. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God over and over and over again miraculously took care of the Israelites as they first crossed over that Red Sea or through the Red Sea on dry land, closed up those walls of water over the pursuing Egyptian army and destroyed them. And then through the wilderness, those 40 years miraculously fed them continually and even blessed them so that their clothes did not wear out, their shoes did not wear out until they came to the promised land. 
and then stopped the water, the waters of the Jordan River from flowing and allowed the people to once again cross over that body of water on dry ground and then closed up the waters again after all had crossed safely. Joshua says, these stones, these are a memorial for you to remember, but also for you to tell your children after you and their children after them and for them to tell their children after them what these stones represent. God did this for you and you shall always fear, respect, hold in awe worship God as the true God. We need to relearn the lessons that are written down for us in the scriptures ourselves. But we also need to take to heart, appreciate, and make the proper applications from the lessons that God lays out in our personal lives as we live here on this earth. And they are many, and they are profound. We need to always remember God is God. He is the creator. And he is the one who sent our Savior into this world so that we could be with him forever in heaven. And never, ever have to fear death Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much. And Father, you are the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, and almighty God, eternal by nature. And you are also the basis of all goodness and love. Thank you for loving us and letting us love you. And guide us and help us to demonstrate our love for you by living obediently to your teachings and thereby glorifying you throughout our lives. Please, Father, guide us in this. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.